There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to 47 Survivors on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast on the ABC TV series The Crossing. I'm Terry. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and we will be discussing episode 10 of The Crossing. Yeah, yay and nay, it's all good and bad. It was a good episode. It It was. was a really good episode. But it's like, oh, we got one more and then it's over. Yeah. Uh, We'll see if um, the showrunners are um, truthful in their words that it's a satisfying ending. We'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Hit us with some ratings, Steve. All right, episode 10 brought in a 0.3 and a one share in adults 18 to 49 with 2.15 million viewers. Now, I do have some better news. Live plus three days for episode eight was 20th in viewers increasing by 1.468 million to 3.999 million viewers for an increase of 58%. Oh my god. So for a show that had already been announced it was canceled, it still shows up in the top 20 in live plus three. That says something. That's crazy. Like wow. Four million viewers. Yeah. In three days. What the hell? There's fans invested in this show. ABC. Yeah. I wish we had some of them on this podcast. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but that makes the 10 ratings even more depressing. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, Yeah, it's like one of those, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into episode 10, the Androgelese option. Jude and Nestor form a plan to break the refugees out of the camp. But it's complicated when Sophie arrives with information on Reese's whereabouts. Not content to wait, Marshall takes matters into his own hands. Oh, big surprise there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these kids don't know when to quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do some general discussion here. I'll, I'll kick this one off since uh, the title we have on our notes that you listeners can't see describes my love life, Team Death. <laughs> But it was only appropriate for me to do this one. So under this heading, we're going to begin with adjusting the plan. Lindauer receives a call from his boss informing him that the survivors will be relocated to a secure facility in 48 hours. Now, that was I, kind of interesting that all of a sudden, all this stuff that's off the books, suddenly yeah. higher ups like, all right, we need to put these people somewhere else. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that he, his boss finally said, now wait a minute, you just found one agent dead and buried in the woods at the camp, and now another one gets killed when five survivors escape. Uh, No, 
Lindauer, you're doing a crappy job. It's time for me to take over and handle this. But see, I'm just wondering because I don't think it was said, and it was early on in the season, when Lindauer was talking to his supervisor, and I'm going to presume that that was the same person with whom he was speaking. Did he mention when Lindauer kept saying, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it, did he mention anything about relocating them? Because to me, it would seem that as a department head of some sorts that his Lindauer's boss would be, his move would be, okay, you wanted the assignment, you screwed it up, I'm going to take you out of the picture instead of changing the whole picture. Right. right. By relocating. But, yeah, I do think that he, if it would have been his call originally, what because they didn't have any IDs and they didn't know where they came from, they probably would have been put in a secure facility to begin with. From the get-go. Yeah, that would right. make more sense. That would Lindauer kind of convinced him, no, I got this, I'll take care of it. So he puts him in the camp there close to town. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think they specifically addressed it. Lindauer just kept, I want the job. I want the Oh, put me on it. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah nah. Give me the bone. Give me the bone. Now, when he gets off the phone, Eve tells him that uh, he gives her the happy news. And uh, <laughs> Eve's attitude is kind of like, oh, these pesky people in present time, they're such noogies. Oh, my uh, gosh. From the go. When yeah. she came on, I'm like, I cannot stand her. She tells him they'll have to move their schedule up. And Lindauer tells her that the camp will be ready. And as they are leaving, Leia and Doyle are waiting outside and are joining Lindauer. Her Eve's words, too. Right. Oh, yeah, because this can only end well. Right. I was surprised to see them out there, but I know that and my first thought was, I don't think it's going to be like when they were in town, and I don't think they're going to go for ice cream. No, no. He wants everybody back in the camp as soon as possible so they can yeah. get rid of them. I do so, not like uh, her. Gosh, I do not like her. Sure. I want to, like, kick her in her, anyway, in her nose. So they're uh, busy taking care of some loose ends here. So Eve heads back to her husband, Paul. Talk about a guy who's like, you just want to kick him in the rear and say, come on. Yeah. He uh, gives him his brand new legal documents confirming his new identity. Yeah, I kind of figured that was going to be short lived. Yeah. yeah. When is a Paul not really a Paul? When it's married to Eve. Yeah. My name is Raul Gonzalez. What? That wasn't it. Paul doesn't seem very enthusiastic. No. no. And uh, so Eve decides to schnooker him even further, which at this point I thought was kind of odd once we see how it played out later in the episode. But she decides to pull on his heartstrings and takes him to their son's piano recital. Yeah. I was scared when she goes, uh, do you want to take a ride? Yeah, oh, I know. Oh, right yeah. I was like, don't do it. I know. I know. Because yes, I, I know, Paul. I thought it was either going to be uh, leave him somewhere or they're going to take him back to the camp so he could go with the rest of them. I was like, oh, I, no, this is not good. So uh, Paul is completely speechless when he meets their son, Aaron. You know, these people love a lot of biblical names. Yes. I'm noticing. Yeah. He meets their son, Aaron. And uh, so Paul is like completely like, oh, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. She was pregnant when she left. Yeah. Now, do mm-hmm. we think that was true or that she was just basically playing him? Uh, like a fiddle? Actually, I think that part was probably true. Really? Yeah. That would explain why she got so married so quickly. <laughs> so married. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got half That's married. That's true, though. I'm yeah. a little bit pregnant and I got half married. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm because. You're divorced already, so. Yeah, she, got half- I mean, she tells him that she was married and Paul is just crushed. Yeah. Well, you know, it was over here and then Paul's kind of like half crushed and half kind of like, not in so many words, you bitch <laughs> kind of a thing, but not that strong, but he was just kind of. I guess this was part of the plan or whatever. She goes, no, it had nothing to do with the plan. And I just felt so bad because he was like being pulled in so many directions and seeing this kid didn't help. No, not at all. Cause so apparently, he's a prodigy. You know, he's sure he's playing piano like Mozart. It was go, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> I wonder if that, if that actual kid could do that. I'd like, I'd like to know. I that. was yeah. wondering the same thing. Cause I'm like, yeah. is that really his hands? You know, that would be trippy. Yeah. So if just a, as a as a footnote, so if in fact that it, she was pregnant when they did the crossing over, apparently doing the crossing over doesn't affect you biologically or molecularly. Apparently, right. the kid, kid looks perfectly healthy. So either she's pulling his leg or she really was. So they go back to the house. Let me ask you guys: Was this the house that she was living in that the agent she shot the agent? Do you think this was a different house she had him tucked away in? I think this was her place because it seemed a lot nicer than the place we saw him in. So do you? So my question was, if he's, I would imagine she's not limiting him to the bathroom, bedroom, and kitchen. <laughs> Wouldn't he have seen that picture on the wall that Agent Wren saw? As uh, he could have. Uh, that's what I'm like. What the heck? But so, maybe she it, was keeping him busy. Like here's food and what? wine Sudoku? and yeah. And, what Sudoku? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, we got we got lots to cover here. So, so they get back home and they're going to celebrate their son's life. So she pours you know, a nice glass of wine. Always nice to sit back and relax with a glass of wine. And except technology gets in the way. She plays a recording of Paul and Jude's conversation on the phone, which we heard the previous week where he said some things and then hung up without adding on to it. So she had the whole thing recorded. So her phones in the house are tapped. I'm surprised. And, and she brands Paul a traitor. And, of course, the wine was not a very good year because he choked to his death. <laughs> I guess the grapes were a little sour that season. And uh, he choked to his death due to the wine that she had poisoned. Yeah, there was some choice words coming out of my mouth during this. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I just, there was a part of me that was hoping against hope like, when they had the shot of her in the distance and he was kind of close up with his head falling back and he'd already died, I was just like, please, like, let it be where, like, you're, they they can give you drugs where you can't move your muscles, but you're still awake. Right. I'm like, I'm like please, like, blink your eyes or twitch a cheek, something. <laughs> and apparently he was a goner. Oh, that was their uh, test run on the uh, yeah poison they had created. To oh, them. yeah. Really, uh, yeah, a whole sample of one. Well, it worked. Yeah. Wouldn't have worked on Orphan Black. But anyway. (laughs) I was just so ticked that she did this. I'm like, oh, you piece of crap. I know. Because Paul genuinely loved this woman. When we first saw him earlier in the season, he was, like, kind of nervous. And it was like, has this guy got, like, a nervous condition? Or is he just weird? Or what's the story here? Because we didn't know enough about him. But. It's clearly between the two of them, he and uh, Greta, uh, he definitely had feelings for her. Strong. Yeah. 
And then that, that's what she you get. Completely put hers aside for yeah her greater good, which makes me feel better about being single all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I just got a big smile on my face, and I'm so smiling. Let's go look at the camp. We've got other breakdowns here. I'm not gonna. <laughs> so back at the camp, Lindauer brings Leia there and is promptly met by Caleb. Of course, he's still grieving from Rebecca having disappeared. And uh, Lindauer announces to the group that they're going to be sending them to a to high security detention centers. I just wouldn't. I don't like that word detention. No, I just no. <laughs> that sounds like jail to me. You sure do. But uh, they haven't been able to establish a point of origin. So the CDC has asked that a broad that broad spectrum inoculations be administered to each refugee before they leave the camp. Now. Normally, except to maybe these people from the future, right? normally we would sit back and say that might not necessarily be such an odd thing to do. Right. Because, because if you don't know where you're from, when I went uh, overseas coming back, you know, they asked you, were you, in, were you on any farmlands? Did you walk along any farmlands? Did you come in contact with anything? That, and they had a whole bunch of things. So, I mean... Even for someone who, who's a citizen coming back into the country after traveling abroad, not that they're asking me to get inoculations, it doesn't seem far-fetched, those questions. So here, to, to make the people who are refugees take inoculations probably seemed odd to them, in addition to being moved, because they weren't being moved out of the camp, period. Now you're going to go among the rest of us. Right. You're going from one detention to another. See, I would have questioned it because... I thought they did something like that when they first got there. But maybe I'm just thinking that that would normally be like a protocol. I don't think so. I think we were talking earlier about uh, medical people or whatever. And I don't know, me or one of the, one of the three of us mentioned about when they have been treated. And, and the other two were saying something about, well, they had tents on the beach and they were treating people there. And if somebody was serious enough, they would take them to a hospital, but if it was treatable there on the beach because they don't know enough about them, they would treat them there on the beach. Okay, maybe that's why I was just thinking yeah. it would make sense to me if they had done it, but that's why as a survivor, I would have been like, what are they talking about? Why are they giving us... <laughs> yeah, maybe they don't even have inoculations in the future. Like, what's that word? Oh, yeah, see, I didn't even think about that. Caleb would be like, well, because Caleb's a smart guy. Well, they used to do this thing when... They had to do this and that, and they had to watch out for this, that, and the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. So he tells them that's what they're going to do. They're going to inoculate them, la di da di da So Roy questions Lindauer, and Lindauer asks him if he really wants to leave. <laughs> right there. Don't you think that would be red flags? Like, Dude, what are you talking about? They're leaving here in like a day, so why are you trying to kick me out of here? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, of course, the one wants to know why they're punishing all of them when it's the people that escaped were the ones that killed, mm -hmm. killed the agent, not the, anybody that's still left in the camp. Sure. And yeah, it didn't make any sense to Roy. It wasn't the right thing to do. But right. Like you said, Lindauer says, well, you can hit the door if you want. I'll reassign you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love no, 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 no. Being love, Lauren, is a real pain. <laughs> Roy's starting to like, What's going on here? I mean, we thought the cracks, and probably they were. The cracks was, here's the locket, and she says it's hers, but it's got this guy Marshall's picture in it. Oh, shucks. And now it's like now he's dealing with some of these things that Lindauer is saying, and he's starting to, like, put two and two together saying, something's funky in Denmark here. What's going on? Right. 
<laughs> yeah, something's really weird. So uh, Roy wants to finish, and he tells Lindauer that Caleb might know something because his wife was in the group that escaped. Hmm, possibly. So Lindauer goes to talk to Caleb. Didn't get a whole hell of a lot with him. Well, no, he decides <laughs> to talk to him in Naomi's cabin, too. Yeah, that's the other thing that was bizarre. Yeah, it's like that's now become like the focal point. I think we should put a hibachi and a wet bar in there. That could be the group mm-hmm. uh, gathering place. So Lindauer learns that Apex had abducted Naomi and that Rachel, whom he had adopted as his daughter, <laughs> turns out to be Caleb and Rebecca's daughter, whom Apex seized. Oh, my. Yeah, and you see Lindauer just starting to sweat. Yep. Yeah. And why Caleb didn't notice it or say anything is beyond me because it was obvious that Lindauer was going, oh crap, I've got his daughter and he finds out he's going to kill me. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of wondered about that, like how Caleb picks up all this other stuff, but he didn't pick up unless he just assumed that Lindauer knew something about Naomi and that whatever she wrote was basically really bad and right. that he was just getting more and more nervous. See, I just thought Lindauer picking up on the name Rachel in the cabin first. That's what really grabbed my attention. And they right. got, and they wrapped up that scene so they could have the scene of Lindauer getting on the laptop and comparing the picture of his daughter to the pictures of Rebecca and Caleb next to each other. So I think I think they just wanted to do that because they wanted to give Lindauer kind of confirming it to himself a little more airtime. Right. Yeah, so he ends uh, the conversation, hurriedly ends, uh, well, he goes to the cabin and he figures out, oh my god, he really, and Eve calls him in the midst of all this, oh, her timing is so impeccable. (laughs) Yeah. Good lord. And she informs him of Paul's death through the chemical they had synthesized for killing the refugees. And she tells him that uh, the test worked, and he's like, what test? And she mentions Paul, and he's like, you tried it on him? And that was, to me, not the big crack in the wall, but that pretty much got close to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lindauer, that was surprising. Because the last two episodes, Lindauer has been showing little cracks in the dam about what's going on. And he showed one earlier in the season, but the last two episodes, he's he's had a scene where there's been little cracks in his wall. And then this thing with Rachel, which is right. rocking his world, and then... Now Eve said, I used the drug, and it was on Paul, and it worked. He's kind of like, oh, what? I the, the London Bridge is, like, getting ready to go. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when Eve says, you, you mu- you've got to do what must be done. Just like she did, yeah. Okay. And at first, he pauses, and she questions, like, repeats the question or adds a question or something. Because he doesn't say anything at first. There's a, like, half beat. And then she says, you know, do you understand? Do you know what you got to do or whatever? And he says, uh, or, or or will you do it or something? He goes, yes. And he says it like fake, matter of fact, like, yes. She right. goes, good, good, click. And it's <laughs> like, ah, you know, good. <laughs> I was really surprised that earlier with Lindauer when Eve had said, you have to take the kid back. And then she just yeah. looks at him like, oh, did you think you can keep this one too? I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, what a jerk. She, is, she is just brutal. She's a cat from Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. <laughs> well, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's move on to Team Escape. 
find Jude and Nestor are gathering items Diana needs for her device so they can finish their plan. And it's funny that they find the power supply in the, um, cattle prod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the, um, lockup where, yeah. uh, Nestor remembers it. Yeah. <laughs> I think from that night on, uh, on a weekend that he went out cow tipping, I think he remembered <laughs> they, had the cat- they had the cattle prod of all things. Right. And so they, Decide who's going to take care of what other things, and Jude will get the fake IDs and the transportation, and Nestor will get the copper wire and deliver a note to the survivors. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be easy. Yeah. Right. Now, Jude questions Nestor because he knows this is not going to be safe, but Nestor wants to do it for those less fortunate than him. I thought that yeah, was, was really noble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Nestor even Who was more. it that Doubted Nestor. Oh yeah, I was still doubting him till the last episode. I'm gonna tell you that because <laughs> I'm waiting for something weird to happen. Right. Yeah, I like Nestor even more now. And we move over to Sophie's lab where Sophie is barely hanging on as one of her cohorts, Mason, completes the cure. Woo-hoo. Cure death and could be either one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Mason definitely points that out that. Uh, you really ought to think about this because it could kill you and there's only a 7% chance of success. But Sophie says, I'll take a 7% chance of living over a 100% chance of dying. Which I well, understand gonna, that. Yeah. If you're going to make sense, you can leave the room now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a scene with Marshall and Diana where Marshall brings in some needed items and Diana tells him she sure could have used him back home. So, of yeah. course, that makes Marshall a little more comfortable and decides to try to ask Diana some existentialist questions about their destinies. Which I kind of dug. Yeah, yeah I was it was good. And I, I like thinking. the way Diana I'm just the mechanic. It was my wife that was the, the yeah. <laughs> Oh, come on, Diana, give throw Marshall a bone. Yeah, come on. I mean, you want, you, you would have liked him on the other side, or the other time, not the other side, as your cabana boy, so come on. Right. <laughs> give him something, a piece of cheese to nibble on something. Jude shows up with some more of the stuff that Diana needed, and they hear a noise outside. That's never rup good. Rope. Yeah, rut rope. So Jude, of course, sneaks out and goes to find out who it is. Not Domino's. No, it was not Domino's. It was a three-quarter dead Sophie asking for his help. That surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. 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 I would have expected Lindauer or Nestor or somebody who we've seen the more assassin frequently around. Doyle assassin Doyle or anybody. Something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, of course, Jude is very disappointed when he finds out that Sophie didn't tell him that she knew where Reese was. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. Nestor arrives, Jude presents the possibility of having Reese help them. <laughs> yeah, I would take that help. Nestor doesn't know about her abilities, really, though. No, she, <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah. Jude thinks that they would have a better chance at rescuing the survivors from the camp, so Nestor goes along with it. We go to the lab where Reese is being held, and... Reese's uh, 
having visions of her daughter asking for help. I thought that was weird because I'm like, she kept saying like her ears hurt or something, right? Right. It's like, what is going on? Well, we find out because she's unable to escape. And of course, she cries out Leah's name. And so the tech who's been monitoring her comes in and cranks the volume to extreme. Bump up the volume, bump up the volume. <laughs> and we see heart, Reese's heart stop, so he leaves. Yeah, uh, because I'm sure they don't care that you killed their lab rat, dude. No. Well, that was the whole goal. Eventually. Yeah, they're, well, they... Yeah, I thought that was kind of like stepping too early for that tech. Well, it that. depends on whether or not if they got the DNA that they needed. Yeah, but I just, right. I, it was so abrupt. Right. You know, yeah. that... And we don't know, which, of course, would have made another storyline we would have had to follow in season two. Yeah. And he might and it might have just been his own personal thing. I don't like her, and she's trouble, so I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to mess with her. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, you can't kill Apex that easily as she regains consciousness and is finally able to break out of the bonds. What did I tell you? Yeah, so it was, we go all the way back to one of the earlier episodes when the uh, security detail was trying to capture Reese in the um, forest. Yeah. And he had that high-frequency sound, so apparently they... Something about the sound renders are powerless. Right. Yeah, because I kept saying, come on, you're not going to tell me everything, like I said last week, you're not going to tell me... Everything she's done, she can't break out of that, please. Right. But it, but it was this week where they had a close-up of her from the side, and it looked like the contraption around her head kind of looked like headphones. Right. And then when the whole thing happened and she died and came back, there was like blood out of her ears, and I was like, it's the damn frequency. And I forgot about that, what you just mentioned, uh, where the uh, the one heavy-duty security guy who she dispatched rather quickly. Yeah. Um, he had that frequency thing. You're right. So apparently that's their Achilles heel. Yep. Jude and Sophie head to Reese's location, and Jude goes in and, of course, finds Reese in capitating guards, left, right, and center. Just another day in the office. Yeah, she wasn't slowing <laughs> down. No! Oh. Dang! And there for a second, I thought she was going to take out Jude, but he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And she was kind of looking at him like, what are you saying? So you go, uh-oh, she, that's what happened. She, she went deaf. Yep. And that's what was, what basically ended up keeping her alive. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, everything that everybody said around her, it was, they kind of muffled the sound yeah. right, of their voices to emulate her listening. Yeah. Trying to at least. So they're about to leave, and sure enough, the tech has got Sophie as a hostage. Okay, she Bumped was about dead, and he, like, drags her inside and everything. Yeah. You know what happens? <laughs> He's pretty slow. You go dead weight. Guess what he can't do? Drag you inside. Exactly. <laughs> well, why would you go in if you're, if you're, like, three quarters dead, and if Jude is telling you, stay in the car? Right. Right. As much as you want to go in there and help, you know you're not able to. Wouldn't you just keep your butt in the car? Yeah. Sure would make sense. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I know you want to get better, but she's a measle. <laughs> yeah, we've seen Etta do things like that, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but Etta was a lot stronger than Sophie is, so. Yeah. yeah. And we get to see 
a John McClane move as Jude has <laughs> another gun hidden in his pants in the back and Breeze uh, sees it, so nice. she grabs it, he ducks, and the tech goes down. Yeah, and she makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, you already shot the guy, and it's going to get worse. Okay. I didn't think that was going to be possible, but dude shouldn't have been a jerk. Yeah. She grabs him by a hand and uh, lifts him off the ground, demanding to know where they took Leah. And as soon as he tells her, she snaps his neck. Yeah. I bet you wish you just got shot now. Yeah. (laughs) And Reese's snapped his neck in pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to worry about buying any uh, collared shirts anymore. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So we see Reese helping Sophie sit down when they get into her lab. Oh, God. And Reese knows that some there has to be something going on, so... Right, because why do you want to be here instead of a hospital? Right. So she destroys what she thinks is a vial containing the formula Sophie had made, telling her that she would not let Apex come into this point of time. Actually, it was one of those vials you get at bars with sex on the beach shot. That's what it looked like. <laughs> Didn't it, though? Yeah, I said that to Steve on uh, Facebook while we were watching. I said, that looks like yep. one of those sex on the beach shots you buy at a bar. <laughs> or yeah, I think yeah, you can even buy them and take them home now. But that's what it looked like. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, after Reese leaves with Jude, Sophie gets out the real solution and injects it into herself. Well, yeah, plus when she's like, that was just B12, you bitch. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I get it. You're dying. You got bad shit going on. But did you not hear what she just said? Yeah. I think at this point, she's just like, I don't care. I saw somebody's comment to this point. I forget where it was posted. I just saw it on the internets. And somebody commented after Sophie got the real cure out and she injected herself somebody said the beginning of apex and i'm like no because this would be like an like doc brown an alternate timeline because apex started without the people from the future coming to the past and reese would have never met sophie and all this never would have played out so i don't see how here's your paradox i'm not buying it i'm sorry what i tweeted out was the birth of Apex. Did you write that, too? It yeah, wasn't nope. you. I thought it was somebody no, else. No, I, I didn't post it on anything but a tweet. Uh, See, okay. I, I think of it as, yes, it's going to be a paradox, because if you ever read the original Time Machine, the only reason he was able to build the Time Machine in that book was because his family died, and no matter what he did, going back in time, he couldn't change to the future, because that was his catalyst. So maybe right. this was the catalyst for Apex. They had to actually travel back in time. I don't know. I'm seeing it as two yep. plot points that are the beginning. I see this as like parallel realities. Well, I don't know, because we, it got weirder. Yeah. Well, yeah, the very ending, which we're going to Yeah, get the to, very but, ending, and if they yeah. do that in the future, then yes, this has to be how it happened. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying there's no way it could happen. I'm just saying, no. to me, if they had never traveled back, 
And if they never use the transport, the first group and the, and the larger second group, if they had never traveled back and if Apex had uh, co- uh, completely did total conquest and destroying everything and everybody but themselves, okay, then none of these people would have crossed over their they never would have interacted. They would have, they would, nobody would have said in that first group, if they didn't come back, let's come back. Okay. Well, so, but yet, it- but yet, but yet Apex was all, Apex already existing was their reason for the first group and the second group, but Apex already existing and causing so much destruction was the reason they traveled back in the first place. But think about it like Jurassic Park way. You know, when he says nature always finds a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see that. I'm not saying there's no way that Sophie couldn't be the start of Apex. I'm just saying, I think now you've got two, two plot points, two beginning points. You're saying that the original timeline has now diverged and you have. Well, to it has to. I mean, now. I mean, if, if there, if, if I'm right. Okay. And I'm not saying that I, I know one way or the other and I'm not strongly on, on my opinion. I'm just saying that if I'm right, and if she is a second beginning, she's now a beginning point 2.0, then the future would have to be changed. There would be no, and apparently from what we see, and I'm not going to say too much till we get to the end, apparently when you do this to yourself, it doesn't make you feel like picking flowers and writing Hallmark cards (laughs) in addition to what it does to you biologically, you know, on a molecular, cellular level. So... Yeah, I would say that if my thing holds up, then the future would automatically have to have been changed. But if she was indeed the first point, then I'm sitting back and it's like, okay, now I got to try to wrap my head around a paradox because they traveled in the first place. And it, and to me, <clears throat> see, you're just going to hurt yourself. <laughs> because I want my mommy. Because Terry, it's wibbly wobbly. All right. Yes. <laughs> so before we go. Any deeper down that rabbit yeah, I'll hole. Take it too long, too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about what's happening and how things have to change now. Because back at Jude's garage, which oh. sounds like it should actually be a garage somewhere, Marshall's bringing in more materials and he's all excited. And he talks to Nestor and he's like, hey, this is great. This was donated for the cause and what's the next, what's the next step? I can do this and I'm happy. And he's like, yeah, you're good, dude. You can back off. And I think Marshall was just so hurt. But yeah. I'm sorry, I get what Nestor was saying, because Marshall's been so, like, wishy-washy. And Marshall's trying to be like, no, 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 I have to be here. Because look, look, my face is in this locket that the girl from the future had. You know what? I don't know. Nestor's looking at him like, this is why I said I was still a little skeptical for a little bit. Because Nestor's like, no, no, you're not supposed to be there, man. You can't help. And I'm like. Why does he not want Marshall to help? See, because I question all of it. I can't trust anything. Well, you're still not trusting Nestor. I trust I think, nothing. I think that this just goes back to Nestor being on the sheriff's force and Marshall being the local bad boy. And I think this was kind of a, even if it was unintentional by the writers, to me, this was like a throwback to the sheriff's deputy, local bad boy dynamic again. Marshall now all of a sudden is seeming energized with this whole new thing that he's helping out with now. And he's like, oh, gung-ho. And Nestor's kind of like, he's kind of throwing water on the fire, but he's kind of like, this is all serious. We got to take care of business. And I guess he kind of figures, like you were saying, Marshall's a little flighty. 
and and they've got to try to hit all the points just right in doing what they're going to do in order to succeed. See, and that's what I, I took. It. Yeah, and I took it as he was being noble Nestor again and saying, that no, too. I'm not going to allow a civilian to put their life at risk in this endeavor. That too, yep. Yep, that absolutely. Was my take on it was just no. I, I can't let a civilian take a chance of losing their life in this. Exactly, exactly. I agree with that. Yep. And yet, this ended up working way better than we thought. Yeah, because <laughs> of course, Marshall's like, "Fine, I'll do it myself." Like, oh, great. Where is this going to lead? But yeah. while that little drama is playing out in the front, Diana's still working, and then all of a sudden. Up on Jude's laptop, there's a fugitive notice. And oh. that's when she notices Grace is in that group. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, her wife. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, she's not there, so I don't need to do anything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my first thought it was Hannah, but because to me it was quick to my eyes. I don't know if I was blinking too much or what, but yeah, it was her wife. Yeah. But when she said that in. Nestor's trying to stop her because she's walking out. She's like, no, my wife's out. I got to go help her. Mm-hmm. Dude. Find her. I can't believe you're just like, okay, you can figure out the rest with those people. It's fine. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, she left him instructions. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jude arrives back to the house with Reese and Nestor's giving him the information. Like, well, yeah, Diana's like, got to go, guys. My wife's out. So later. And they're trying to read the instructions, which apparently are very much like doctor handwriting, where maybe yeah. you can read it. So maybe they needed a pharmacy check in there. I'm just throwing that out. There you go. <laughs> there but you Reese go. is like, oh, I can do this. Of course, after yeah. she was completely rude being introduced to Nestor. <laughs> You're not important enough. Right. It's like, yeah. damn, Reese, you know what? Nestor. And Nestor looks so dejected. Like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, who's this? Just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, just roll. (laughs) See, I swear Nestor just had that look like, seriously? Yeah. It was. Okay. But, like I was saying earlier, how Marshall's not-so-great plan actually turned out to be a great plan. After all, yeah. yeah. He's pretty good if he came up with this on the fly. Because until we saw what the plan was after it began to unfold, when it first started to unfold, I was like, Marshall, you idiot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because it was supposed to be Nestor that... Yeah! And I was like, oh, there. man, dude, you're going to screw the whole thing up. And it's like, oh, no, he didn't. That's actually yeah. what I was thinking, too, Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Out there, you yeah. Know, ranting at the gate. I want to see Hannah. And then I don't know how they brought Roy up unless he's like, then I want to talk to Roy, which we don't hear about that. No, but he knew, I think, because he was close enough to the gate, he goes, oh, I know this guy. Let me handle it. Yeah. And well, I think he did that because he knew Roy also knew Hannah. And right. so the two of them probably had met because of Hannah. Oh, absolutely. They so that's why he didn't ask for any agent. He didn't speak no. to whoever was there. He said, I want to speak to Roy because he knew that. Come on. Sometimes you can tell he knew that Roy is kind of lovelorn over Hannah, too. And he knows that if he's going to pass something along, Roy's going to like, okay, I'll do it. I was a little surprised, <laughs> though, but their little fight. And I didn't even see it. And I watched that that two or three times. I kept rewinding it. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to see where he put how where he he the note. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. 
but I, I don't even know how Roy realized that there was something in his pocket. Yeah, he just put his hand in his pocket and went, oh, wow, there's something in there. Yeah. Lottery ticket. The winning one, please. <laughs> yeah. So they take Marshall away because he's now assaulted a federal officer. Hey! Oh, could, he's up this game. This could only go well. <laughs> and then we have uh, Caleb in the camp talking to Leah. And she's in her little, like, tent inside a little fort. And it was kind of sweet because she's sad and we know she's missing her mom. And he's like, oh, I brought you food. And how about I stay out here and stand guard? And she's just really sad. And it, it made me, like, I was like, oh, and that bastard Lindauer is trying to kill this baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I felt really bad for her, too, yeah. But Caleb's like, it's going to be okay. I'm glad Caleb was there, especially with Rebecca gone. Yeah. Because that has to be so hard. Like, the kid doesn't have his, have her mom. And, of course, Caleb lost his kid. And now he's lost his wife. It's like, oh, my gosh. All right, well, I guess we'll just kind of hold on to this life raft that is hope. Which got a whole lot bigger as... Roy not comes into Caleb's cabin. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. This was something. I couldn't believe it that Roy's like, all right, I need to do something. So I was happy yeah. Roy is, like, totally, I guess, lovelorn <laughs> because it worked <laughs> out because he's telling Caleb, listen, they all look up to you. I didn't know what was going on, but something isn't right. And here. It's like, yeah. Ooh. What does this mean? <laughs> and of course, in another cabin, we have Doyle just shocking the hell out of Marshall with Lindauer yeah. just kind of looking on. I'm like, what is going to happen? Yeah, no. I was thinking they were going to kill Marshall. Yeah, yep. I thought he was a goner. <sighs> this episode had me stressed out. <laughs> but with all of that being said and done, and that's our little synopsis of the whole whole thing, Steve... Is there any feedback this week? Oh, absolutely there is. Our friend Fred from the Netherlands stayed up till after midnight his time to get this feedback into us. So let's take a listen. Hello, Fangirl Podcasters. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Crossing Season 1, Episode 10. First off, I have to admit that I already watched the season finale as probably many listeners did, because episode 10 and 11 were aired together. Nevertheless, I will try to keep this spoiler free. I also was expecting that the two of you would just do one podcast for both episodes, since they were aired together. But Steve told me that it would be two separate episodes of the podcast. Future watchers of the series will probably do not watch them together, and as they were released as two separate episodes and were just aired together. They were not really glued together. I just have four short remarks about this episode. What an awful peep that Eve is killing her, her husband Paul. I don't actually understand if she was planning to killing all along why she showed him her son first and not only her son, their son. Second remark, when Lindauer compares the picture of Caleb and Rebecca with that of Rachel on his phone, I really think it, uh, she could be their daughter. Hey, showrunners, good typecasting. 
Third remark. I think there is a very nice interaction between Roy and Marshall. Beating each other up, but in the meanwhile, passing each other notes. Four. Funniest moment of the episode? When Jude introduces Nestor to Reese, and Nestor says, says, hi, and Reese doesn't react. Jude says, she can't hear, she blew out her ear. And then Reese says, I can hear now, I heal fast, just don't care who he is. And then the look on Nestor's face is just cold. And also very nice is the way Jude non-verbally reacts to Nestor in the sense of, let it go. Okay, that was all for this episode. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred, we thought about doing both episodes in one um, podcast, but just because they were so jam-packed, we figured that who would really want to sit through a possible two-and-a-half-hour podcast? <laughs> so we <laughs> decided to break them up for each episode. Lord knows we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> And I like his agreement on Eve. What an awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's won our hearts over. Yeah, and it is curious that she did show him his son before killing him. And Why? Why is that good? Yeah, why? Well, why would you even do that? I mean, because I guess you're crazy. crazy. Or a way, another way to uh, inflict more pain on him. Oh, you yeah. a kid that's now 10 that you know no- nothing about. If it is his kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess to be just nasty mean, yeah. And I have to agree. Cause you're, because you knew she already had it in her head that she was going to poison him, and then she does this whole thing about going for a ride and gives him this whole side story, and it's like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I, I have to agree that she was just, I don't know, be, being really manipulative about it. And maybe it was like, this is the reason. You see, he's 10. I left you. You keep saying it was just a few months. He's 10. Right. And I want to keep him safe and his future safe. So you're not with us. You're too soft-hearted. So goodbye. And uh, yeah, Aaron needs a daddy with (laughs) brass. Eh, That ain't (laughs) happening anytime soon. Not with their little groups. Probably killing off everybody left and right. But anyway. And I like his comment about the uh, the casting of the uh, the gal who plays Rachel. Really smart casting. See, in yeah. the picture, she does look a, like she could be their kid. Oh, absolutely. She? Oh, my like, God. I wonder if they did one of those. See, I didn't think we'd ever actually see the actual person. So I'm like, maybe they did one of those like face things where you can put the two faces together and kind of. <laughs> so I didn't even think anything. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could totally see that. Because we didn't see her whole face the previous time when he comes home and she's there doing her homework. No, I thought you just seen, like, the back of her head. Yeah, back right, of her head. Was. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, this picture that he holds up to the screen, you know, picture on his phone and everything, that was, yeah, I mean, that is kudos to the, the casting people. Yeah. Totally believable. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the interaction between Roy and Marshall, where Marshall gets to... Throw a punch at Roy while handing him the note. <laughs> Still can't figure yeah. that out. That was good. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, we did uh, discuss um, Nestor's introduction to Reese. And <laughs> yeah, that, that look that, that you'd had, just like, oh, really? Just yeah. <laughs> still with it. Yeah. You had to say that now. We're just trying to get everything done. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Nestor. Yep. 
<laughs> well, once again, you have great feedback there, Fred, and we Go really Fred. appreciate all your efforts to get it to us. Uh, he messaged me a day before we recorded this to find out how we were doing it, when we were doing it, and he turned that around, got us this feedback in probably less than eight hours. And like I said, it was well past midnight his time. Wow. And he had a business trip the next day. <laughs> so hats off to you, Fred. You are a trooper, and we thank you so much for all your feedback this so he went into so he went into his business gathering or meeting or whatever with bags under his eyes. I was writing about a TV show. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, but that, thanks, thank Fred. you, Fred. Yo. Did uh, you guys tweet? Oh, I absolutely did, and it was a blast as always. And we really thank everyone for live tweeting with us. We definitely had a ton of WTF moments, and <laughs> oh. yeah. And believe me, the uh, feelings were shared between all of us that we all really hate Eve and, <laughs> <laughs> and what she did to Paul and just can't wait to see how this ends. She has endeared herself to the viewers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a heat rash. So, uh, hey, listen, thanks for uh, listening. Hey, listen, thanks for listening. <laughs> but I went to broadcast. Yeah, I went to broadcasting school, and uh, we uh, just want to say we ask you to please review and rate us over on that thing called iTunes. You know, uh, with good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us. So please tell your friends as we're nearing the end, mm-hmm. uh, and we hope that you are enjoying the podcast. And while you're at it, if you want to take a stroll over to fangirlzone.com, check out our website. And you can find all our contact information over there as well, because we're on Twitter at 47Survivors, Facebook at FGZone, Instagram at the Fangirl Zone Podcast, and of course you can always send us emails at contactus at fangirlzone.com. Cool! So for this episode, I just want to sign off and say I think it'll be less than 48 hours before we move to our next episode. Take care! And this is Steve. You know what? When I grow up, I want to be just like you. And until next time.